This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 3576, for Monday, the 18th of April, 2022. Today's show is entitled, First Impressions of Ubuntu 22.04 as a Daily Driver. It is hosted by Nightwise and is about 23 minutes long. It carries a clean flag. The summary is... Nightwise gives his first impressions on the latest LTS release of Ubuntu. Hey there, Hacker Public Radio. This is Nightwise from the Nightwise.com podcast, checking in. And I wanted to tell you about my latest uh, geeky exploits. I have been playing around with the latest version of Ubuntu 22.04. It's set to release at the end of April, but I decided to go a little early, jump the gun, jump the shark, I don't know what you say, and uh, install it on my Lenovo X1 laptop. I use Linux mostly as a daily driver, actually, um, when it comes down to uh, doing the stuff that I do. Uh, I'm a freelance consultant, I work from home. I have my own company, which has most of its stuff in the cloud, and the clients that I work for mostly have Citrix or cloud-based environments. So as um, a remote worker, I can just kind of pick whatever operating system works best for me, and, you know, Ubuntu is pretty pretty sweet there. Linux is pretty sweet there. I told you about my uh, little setup um, in my previous podcast. Now, this week I wanted to, as I said, try 2204 because I had been hearing some good things about it. Before I start, I want to say what I think about Ubuntu, or Ubuntu, or however you call it. I've been using it since 2005. I listened to the um, Slashdot Review podcast in the day, and I still remember very lively its host, Annie McCaskey, talking about this Ubuntu podcast with this Ohioan accent. Uh, rolling it off his tongue and telling uh, us about this new version of Linux that was out and that would, you know, probably just work. I'd been distro hopping quite a bit uh, by then. I got introduced to Linux in the early 2000s and had been doing the, yes, I'm going to try Linux and yes, I'm going to see that it it all works and yes, I'm going to stick with it. But I was in this phase where you would install a distro, play around with it, and then you would bump into some error or some some feature that you just couldn't get working. That could be hardware support or something simple like MP3 playback, which just, you know, sometimes didn't work. And I've been hopping around from SUSE to Manjaro to, to, to Mandrake to whatever um, back then, and I hadn't settled on any permanent distribution as yet. That changed when I uh, got in uh, contact. When I got infected by the Ubuntu bug, and I've been around the operating system ever since, using it um, as, well, not a daily driver, secondary driver mostly, and uh, I've been enjoying it uh, quite a bit. Now, with 22.04, I did something that I normally don't do. I don't download betas. I don't mess around. I'm not a bug tracer or bug hunter. I don't report bugs. I should, but I just don't have the time or the focus for it, because... My philosophy is that technology just needs to work for you, and I cannot afford to spend hours and hours and hours tinkering to get something operational and stable. It just has to work, especially when it's on a production system. Now, when it comes down to, you know, just faffing about with computers, okay, um, 
I'll, I'll, I'll take an experimental Linux here and uh, something that's not really cooked yet and just install it and see how it looks. Um, why not? So I downloaded the installer and I burned into a USB stick using uh, Rufus. Uh, Rufus is a Windows application that uh, I run on my Windows machine. Uh, that lets you install um, ISOs on a USB stick. And one of the reasons I sometimes like to work with this app is that you can set a persistent volume to your install. And that makes for a very <coughs> interesting experience because not only you do you have a live CD or a live image that you can, with a USB stick, pop in anywhere, this also allows you to uh, store data on there and have all the settings and the applications that you install remain persistent on the stick, basically giving you a computer on the go. Not this time though, no persistent volume required. I just wanted to you know, install it, see how it went, uh, and that I did. Um, popped it in, booted up the, um, the, the, the ThinkPad, mashed the enter key uh, until I got the boot menu, booted off the USB stick, and the install started, and it didn't go anywhere. I had to uh, enter my username and my password and stuff like that, but when it came down to, uh, after formatting the hard drive, copying down the applications uh, and, and, and the data, uh, it just hung somewhere. Um, read some funky error codes, and basically the dialog screen said it was, you know, um, stuck on installing the Firefox snap, which has been quite controversial. And uh, so it didn't go anywhere. Tried again, same thing. And then I went like, you know what, let's just do the bare minimum. So instead of um, installing the third party extra and uh, download the updates, uh, I just went with a very minimal install and no internet connectivity. Punched again, uh, you know, uh, did the installer again, chose only to download a minimum install, no internet connection, and zoom, it went just fine. One of the reasons I mostly was playing around with the um, installer was because I wanted to give the new GNOME look a little, uh, a little once-over, because I heard that, you know, they faffed around with the color screen and, and did some stuff there, but um, I just wanted to have a look because I was not planning on sticking around on uh, this distro at all. I don't like no. I really, do, I, I'm really sorry. I'm not one of these people who is getting into the desktop wars. This, you know, this UI is better than that UI. A UI for me has to get out of the way. It's the applications and the things that I do with them that is important. A UI has to be able to give me access to it but that's about it. Most of the Linux installs that I do, I install, I, I make sure that all of the launch bars and everything are out of the way, and that I have my own launcher, which is a, an app called Kupfer, uh, that's K-U-P-F-E-R, it's German for copper, um, as, as a launcher, which is basically, uh, you, you mash the super key and whatever, and you get a little text bar, and you enter whatever data and an application in there, and it just launches. I like my own launcher. Uh, when I'm on a Mac, I use the Finder. When I'm on Windows, um, I just use the super key. I, I don't really pay a lot of attention to the way things look. Things have to look nice, but they have to be responsive. And here's my little gripe with GNOME uh, for the last couple of, I don't know, iterations, um, it felt sluggish. 
just teeny, 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 whiny lag, but it was like, no, yeah, do this, okay, no, yeah, do this, okay, but there was this little, this little, you know, pause between asking you to do something, no, and then it responded like, yeah, 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 like it was a, like it's, it's, it was doing something else, it was, you know, I don't know, reading Twilight or whatever, and you just, it felt like you were waking it up, and it was, it became pretty attentive, but still, I felt like it lacked, and maybe it was just, you know, in my head, it's, it's perception, it's feeling, could be, but that's why I kind of shined away from it. Now, I have learned that moving to secondary uh, or, or non-primary flavored UIs does get to get you into trouble with hardware support from time to time. I've especially noticed this with Mate. Love Mate. Looks like old school GNOME. Pretty responsive. Gets out of the way. <sighs> hardware support, not that good. I mean, the, the Bluetooth agent in Mate is downright terrible. Um, found Budgie. Bungie works. Bungie works fine. And um, I've also tried uh, Mint with Cinnamon. Also works fine. Great hardware support. Very happy there. But no, yeah, laggy. So I decided to give it a go. Booted up the machine and was, you know, uh, looking at the new GNOME, which is, looks, looks fine. Uh, pressed the super key a couple of times and it looked quite responsive. So I decided, you know, let's just, you know, take it as far as it goes and do all the updates. Connected it to the internet, did all the updates, downloaded a slew of updates, even though I downloaded the daily build. So there's a lot of active development there. And um, great. It was there. It was fast. Boy, it was fast. I was pretty impressed by the look. I was pretty impressed by the speed. And I went like, wow, no, you're really paying attention now, aren't we? And it was, it was great. So I decided, let's take this one step further. Let's see how far this OS goes before it breaks. Because this is basically what I was planning to do this afternoon. Just, you know, download a beta, play around with beta, break the beta, and go do something else. Come back in three weeks. Um, and I've got this little bash installer script that installs all of the apps that I use on a daily basis. And it's not an elegant script, it's an ugly script. It looks like, you know, the command line version of a cave, paint, cave painting, you know. But I'm not a coder. I just write and bash the commands that I use to type in manually, and I just run them. So it installs all of the favorite apps that I've got. And <clears throat> there, there are a couple of command line apps on there. You might want to check out the uh, nightwise.com podcast. Uh, for that, I did a show on uh, my favorite command line app. And it was, it was, I went like, you know, I'll just run the script, go get coffee and, and see where it breaks. It didn't break anywhere. It just installed everything. It installed all of the apps, apps that I wanted. It installed all of the graphical apps that I wanted. It uh, connected to all the repositories, third-party repositories that I set up. Um, it did all the things. It installed the snaps. It installed the, um, the Python 3 layer. It installed all the apps that I installed using pip. Um, it did all the, <clears throat> the tweaks that I do. It was just there. And I went like, oh, the script ran without any errors. That would be like, yay me, and also, you know, yay distro. And I decided, you know what, it's, now it's going to be fun. Now we're going to launch these apps, and these apps are just going to you know, crash, because this operating system isn't done yet. I've been taking the cookies out of the oven before they're done. Well, I was in for a surprise because 
everything just worked. And I'm talking about, you know, everything. All the apps that I chose, boom, no dependency errors, everything worked from the get-go. And pretty soon, in, in about, I don't know, 20 minutes, I could do on this experimental beta release of Ubuntu 22.04 on a laptop, what I could do with my super stable budgie install on my desktop, 20.04, based on 20.04. I was impressed. I was really impressed. Decided to take it up one more notch and go with some apps that I hadn't installed on any systems yet. And uh, I had been looking around for um, an application that allows me to sync my OneDrive. Yes, yes, I am on uh, Office 365, but I run my own business. I'm not a bearded geek re- living in a trailer with a shotgun on the wall behind him. And I don't know, um, <clears throat> yelling, get off my lawn and chugging beer. No, no, I'm, I'm a consultant, so I have to work in the cloud, you know, get with the program. And that means that I've got my personal OneDrive, or my Office 365 OneDrive, actually, where I do a lot of my, uh, where I store a lot of my data. Because, you know, sometimes I'm on my network and my machines, but sometimes I'm on the machines of clients or on the networks of clients. So having my having access to this OneDrive is pretty crucial to me. There's there's a lot of workflows that, that cross that path when, when I want to get things done and um, for the life of me I can't remember the name of the app but I will put it in the show notes I promise downloaded it it actually costs 15 euros or 15 dollars which is you know like 3 euros I don't know I don't know the the exchange rate at the moment but it'll be something like 12 euros or something Uh, 15 bucks um, but you can run it as a trial this will be the very first time I'm actually paying for Linux software and even that worked. And behold, it uh, even allowed me to sync some of my uh, personal SharePoint sites. So before I knew it, I had this machine cobbled together that ran Linux and did all of the things I wanted it to do in order for me to get my stuff done. And it was an experimental pre-release version of Ubuntu. So, aside from being pretty impressed by this and really wanting to take this machine to work with me, uh, which I haven't got a chance to do today, but I'll probably play play around with it pretty soon, you know, taking it into a production environment, see how it goes. I have to say, you know, Linux has come a long way. It's been, you know, 18 years since I found out about Ubuntu and and Linux has been around for, for quite a while. And in the beginning, my frustration with Linux was that it was super geeky and I loved working with it and it was really something different. But if you had a question to the community, um, they sometimes they would be helpful. But in the beginning, they were real jerks. You know, you would, as a noob, pose a question and get a, get a bunch of bearded or maybe unbearded guys. Uh, in, in the news groups back then, there was no social media. You know, kind of flipping you off, going like, go away noob, and uh, there, there's no room for, for us on, on for graphical user interfaces, and you have to do everything with the command line, and, you know, they would be really mean. Ubuntu, and, and, and the maturing of Linux changed that. The support got better, the hardware support got better, and then there was this 
massive fragmentation of distros. You know, everybody was spinning their own distro. And for the longest time, I have found this fascinating, but I have noticed or thought that the attention, I, I, I talked about this on, on the podcast before, the attention of the developing community is going towards shiny things, you know. You know, oh, look at this, look at this distro, oh, it looks good. Look at this distro, oh, it looks good. I made my own distro, it looks a little bit different. It was like going to a car tuning show and everybody would have a Ford Fiesta and everybody would tune it differently, but, you know, all of the quirks that you have with a Ford Fiesta or whatever car you want were still there because nobody was fixing stuff under the hood where they were just making it shiny. And I thought that a lot, and I still think, that a lot of attention of the developers is going into shiny things, into different distros, and Linux is fragmenting because of it. <clears throat> That's one of the reasons I have tried to stick to the main distros, tried to stay as close to the main releases of of of. Uh, of a, a distribution as I could, you know, with Ubuntu, I tried to stick to GNOME, I, I didn't go for some kind of experimental flavor out there that some kid built, uh, you know, kudos to the kid, building your own distro, wow, but I'm here for, for the long term, this has to work for me, and for that reason, I, I got frustrated with Linux, I went like, come on guys, you know, we have 25 shiny distros out there, but I dare you to pair a Bluetooth mouse uh, on a Lenovo X1 using Mate. You'll be thrown back into the 90s because that part of the operating system or that part of the hardware support doesn't get any love because <clears throat> we're all looking at Shell. So with Ubuntu, I have found out or have learned to experience that yes there is attention to detail attention to the form and to the, the, the way things look but that is not a differentiating factor the hardware support in, in the core is still good and that is something that we need to to focus on <clears throat> and uh, that is something that that sticking to a mainstream distro and I you know Ubuntu gets a lot of flack uh, because yeah, it's it's you know closed source packages and it's it's you know it's not free on Libre, but I'm not gonna run Slackware. Or I'm not gonna compile my own distro. I don't have freaking time for that. I want to work with Linux, not play around with Linux endlessly. Going like yay, my car starts. Yeah, are you taking it anywhere? Hell no. I take my you know I drive my Linux machine to work every day if I can. So yeah. I was impressed that even a beta release of Ubuntu 22.04 delivered a long-term support, hey hey, of a distribution that was not even ready yet, but did manage to give me a productive system. The end question is always, is this the year of the Linux desktop? Hell no, it'll never be the year of the Linux desktop. The year of the Linux desktop has come and gone because people are no longer focused towards desktops. They are focused towards applications. They are focused towards compatibility with their platforms in the cloud. I went to the garage, uh, the, the, the car salesman, to, to buy a new car. One of my, uh, I was overhearing uh, one of the um, other salesmen pitching a car to this, to this uh, 
this 18-year-old girl, and she had her grandfather with her. And it was, it was this beautiful mesh of technology where, sorry to go off topic just before the end of the, of the show, but bear with me here. Um, they went to buy a little Fiat 500, which is an amazing little car. And she brought her grandfather. This guy was a boomer in his, in his late 50s or something because, you know, grandpa knows something about cars. And this car salesman was pitching this semi-electric Fiat 500 to him. Where this guy was totally stunned that, you know, the engine, you know, what? It's impossible. You know, that's that's not an engine. That's that's a toy. No, no, no. You can get this on that. And, you know, the technology of the engine was totally different as to the cars he used to buy. It's not about power anymore. It's not about this. It's about that. It's about, you know, being green and, and being fuel efficient and stuff like that and he went like okay mm. and then he looked at this girl and, and, and this girl said can I ask you a question yeah does it run Spotify backtrack here does it run Spotify that was what this little girl was concerned with and the same thing rings true for operating systems and for computers does it run the platforms that I use? Is it compatible with the stuff that I have already committed to in the cloud? That can be my Spotify account. That can be my Office 365 account. That can be my Netflix. That can be my whatever. Is it compatible with that? How it looks, what color it has, is fine. But whether it's a Mac, a Windows, a Linux machine, an Android telephone, an iOS telephone, a tablet, a smart refrigerator or television set. If it's compatible with the up with the platforms that the users are committed to, then it has a chance of survival. So the year of the Linux desktop is coming by because all of the platforms, all of the operating systems are out there, are compatible with the platforms. And if you have one some kind of free open Libre sandal-wearing version of distro that is completely free but doesn't work with anything, you don't stand a chance. It's not about freedom. It's not about open code. It's about stuff that connects with the platforms that you use. And if those platforms are closed, if those... If those um, if those platforms are closed, if, if those companies are evil, users don't care. Users want something that works. So, for me, that 2204 distro that I installed just worked. Really happy about it. And uh, you might want to, you know, take a look at it, check it out, and see if uh, Linux would work for you, too. This was Nightwise of the Nightwise.com podcast signing off talking to anybody out there that still has a microphone and some time and some geeky stuff to tell uh, us please record a show upload it to the queue and make hacker public radio i don't know great again <laughs> probably not <laughs> make it make it interesting yeah yeah do that see you guys bye-bye to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. 
hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive, and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.